1: helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. So often, I see articles imploring us to find our purpose or to help others find theirs. Well, look no further. My guest today is purpose-driven in a big way. I consider her a saint, though she'll push back on that designation. This very special soul is leading the way, in one of our most precious roles for the future, educating our youth. She started off as a teacher in a small Catholic elementary school in the Bronx, and soon discovered her passion in helping all children reach their potential, which took her to the field of special education. After working in several New York area schools, she felt called to return to the Catholic school and the classroom, which included a stint teaching pre-kindergarten kids. She was then called to a leadership role and asked to serve as principal at the John Cardinal O'Connor School in Irvington, New York, a very special Catholic school dedicated to providing quality education to children with learning differences. Every day, she's moved to foster an environment that immerses students in experiential and meaningful learning. At her school, students learn to feel comfortable taking risks so that true learning can occur And they acquire the skills and strategies needed to be be lifelong, successful learners. You can see why I think she's a saint. I'm so grateful to welcome John Cardinal O'Connor School Principal, Kristen O'Leary. Say it skillfully. Kristen, appreciate you. Thanks for sneaking out of school to join me.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, it's my pleasure and I'm thrilled for listeners. I'm excited for them to get a better sense of special education, the students, their needs. Family dynamics, you know, and what we can all do to level the playing field for all to learn and fulfill their potential. Before that, though, I really love um, if you would share your own journey and how it started, so we get a sense of who and what shaped you and uh, your calling to do this phenomenal work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is actually a never, never a place that I thought I would be. Um, I started out more interested in the field of theater, which I'll get into in a little bit, but um, I am basically a simple girl from Yonkers, born and bred uh, down by Cross County, been there my entire life, up until this day for now, (laughs) (laughs) and started out my own educational journey in um, Yonkers Public Schools from a family, two divorced parents, no siblings, um, but very supported and very nurtured along my journey, along those along those times um, in my early years. So, like I said, I started off in the anchors, public school. Then as I got older, I made the transition over to um, Catholic middle school, which was quite an eye-opening experience for me as never having been Um, you know, forced to wear the uniform and with a whole new group of kids and uh, different types of personalities and being the odd man out. So I got a little taste of what perhaps some of our kids get a taste of today um, growing up in those years. But it, uh, if anything, it taught me to have a little more of a backbone and to be able to stick up for myself a little bit better and then make my way to Catholic high school as well. So I am a product of Good Counsel Academy in White Plains. And I think that's really where I was able to start to shape my personality and uh, become myself in the more true sense of a person. Those are the years where I began to um, get more involved with uh, theater, theater in high school and theater also in community theater um, growing up, I was exposed to a good amount of community theater because my mother was also interested in performing and um, had brought me right there along with her to many, many rehearsals uh, since it was just me and mom during the week. And we were very close. So from the age of four, I was, um, you know, showing up and doing tiny parts in different mm-hmm. plays and um taking that all the way up to the age of 14, where I actually started to stage manage, um, you know, full-size theatrical productions for adults, um, which was rare at that time because it's not usual that a early teen will be taking on that big of a role and that much responsibility, but uh, they gave me the chance and they saw the promise and off I went basically you know, in that leadership role from like 14 to 18. um, I guess that was a foreshadowing of being in a leadership role today. But I actually began uh, my college career at SUNY Purchase and went for theatrical uh, stage management and design. Was in the program for a whole year. Uh, Loved it. But in the meantime, also realized that the road I was on was really going to take me to a very mundane type of career where I'd be stage managing, possibly on Broadway and doing the same thing every day, calling cues, running the same shows, Um, didn't really have the spontaneity that I was looking for, didn't really have that spur of the moment making decisions being flexible kind of vibe that I had grown to appreciate in the smaller, faster moving world of community theater, Uh, because that's always changing and very different and different plays and different groups and different people all the time. And, um, you know, being able to manage things on the spot as they occur. So I decided to, you know, consider my journey and where I was going. And I had many friends at the time that were involved in the field of education. Um, I had actually made a lot of friends through community theater and through my own parish at the time, which was St. Mary's Catholic Church in Mount Vernon. And through the theater group there and the church community there, these were my core group of friends, um, really, you know, cementing my faith life, as well as my soon-to-be professional life, as they were all in the field of teaching and said, you know what, Um, we're down at this small Catholic school in the South Bronx, and, you know, we know you don't have your full credentials yet, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. if you're even interested and willing uh, to start heading toward the field of education, you know, they would love to have you, they need people like you, they need your personality, kids that, uh, people that care for kids, and you know, that's what they're looking for. So, I made my way into the classroom at the early age of 19 and was, you know, in there not really knowing what I was doing, to be perfectly honest, but um, just making sure I was doing right by the kids, and that's all I needed to do at that point was teach the curriculum I was given um, and really give those kids a sense of security. And that was. Um, you know, my role. And as I was there teaching, I went back to school, um, to start in the field of education. So I was working during the day and going to school at night. Um, definitely realizing that this was going to be the land of, um, spontaneity and having to deal with things in the moment and working with kids, there would never be a, never be a dull moment, right? That's, that's what we learn with children. Um, And really, starting to you know fall in love with that, but I always felt that um, there was something missing there. And as I got more involved in classes, I actually had to do some internship opportunities, and I went um, to do some observations at the New York School for the Deaf in White Plains. Um, my aunt actually was a teacher there for many, many years, and I said, you know, can I come into your classroom? I need to do this field work. And of course she said, yes. And while I was there, um, there was a little boy and his name was Jose and obviously, you know, he was signing because, um, you know, he couldn't speak and he asked me my name and I was able to sign it back. And, um, and he learned it, he learned it like immediately. And then all throughout the day, during the day, he would sign for me. Um, and that was really a, a big turning point for me where I realized that there were kids that um, really just needed something more. And I saw this specialized setting and I was kind of blown away by what they were able to do for kids that um, you know, needed to learn differently and just needed different ways of teaching. Um, so I quickly went back to my program and said to my advisors, you know, I want to do special ed. You know, never mind regular ed. I want to do special ed instead. (laughs) So, uh, quickly changed over, um, into the world of special education. And, you know, from there it was really, um, you know, a really kind of faithful journey of learning more about kids and what they really need and what was effective. And ultimately it was, it's always about how do I reach a child, um, you know, whether there's special needs or not, how am I making those connections? So, as I continued through my program, um, I changed where I was working to be in more of a special and environment. And I started to work for um, Andrus, which is a school in Yonkers for kids that are either in day treatment programs or residential programs. And I really got to see. Um, more kids, and more levels of need, and different levels of need. I was able to work with uh, kids on the spectrum, kids that had emotional needs, kids that um, were affected by trauma. Um, I was really involved in a PTSD class for a few years, and I started there as a teaching assistant, and then working in the residential halls, and then I worked my way up to be a classroom teacher there. So it was very. It was a really strong learning experience. It gave me a lot of background as to what different kids needed and how I could help fulfill those needs. Then life carries on and I was married and then I had my son. And in the middle of all that, realized that I really couldn't continue to work full time because, um, you know, in the, in the real life of the world, daycare is way more expensive than anybody acknowledges sometimes. And it would make more sense for me to just work part-time and be able to take care of my son, um, myself and split that responsibility with his grandparents and uh, my husband. So I was looking for something new, something else. And that uh, led me on the path to TheraCare in New Rochelle. And I spent probably at least 15 years working for TheraCare. Now TheraCare is a, a different spin. It's an agency for special ed that works with kids that are in early intervention and preschool. So we're really working with the smaller guys and families um, for services that they need at the younger age. So I came in as a it a special education itinerant teacher, and uh, worked with families um some really very special families for different amounts of hours during the day. And, you know, I had schedules with different families, but it was really, um, it was very moving to be able to be part of a personal journey of a specific family and to be actually in their home and to see the struggles, the day-to-day struggles and to, and to help, you know, to give the suggestions and to give the training and, um, while also helping the child, you know, develop skills because there's, you know, there were some kids that didn't have the appropriate um, amount of speech yet, or um, you know, a difficulty learning in a traditional way. So there were some kids on the spectrum, and they needed, you know, discrete trial therapy. But it was really more about advancing the kids, but also advancing the family and getting the families to. You know, understand that it's okay. It's okay to have children with special needs and and I'm here to help. you know, I'm here to help make it easier. make it easier for the parents, make it easier for the children. Um, and just the day to day life things, um, how to manage meal times and how to manage tantrums and how to manage going to new places. Um, you know, I have one, I'm going to share one special story because at one point um, in my career with TheraCare, I worked with a family for like 20 hours a week. So I was there in their home every morning, five days a week. And basically, you know, became as much of a member of that group as I, as I could, as a teacher, um, as a member of that family almost. And we made such great discoveries about what was really going on with the little boy. And we were together, we were able to, you know, change the path of his life and the family's life. They had been in such a point of stress and, you know, not knowing what to do when there was tension in the family. And once we really started figuring out what was going on, um, there was some really, really important growth happening. And the family started to, you know, come back together. And um, he was able, after, you know, some years of work, he was able to go back into the public school system and he got the support he needed there. And, uh, you know, I'm dating myself now, but he has just, they moved to Vermont and he is graduating college next year. So, you know, he's in a, in a regular program in a great place and he is, you know, career bound but it's just amazing to see how in education you can truly change the trajectory for someone's life. Um, So I think that's really special. And I think that's something that, you know, still to this day, I'm, you know, friends with that family on Facebook and I love to see the updates and how he's doing. And uh, you know, they'll never, they'll never forget me. I still get the Christmas card and, you know, you know, we'll never forget the change you made in our life. And that's that's special. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, at least at this point. So, um, you know, those things are timeless. So from there, I um, I worked at TheraCare as a teacher for many years, but then I decided I was going to go more into the administration and um, into the office. And I was a staffing coordinator for a while, uh, a couple of years, actually. And I helped with making sure that the other teachers were, um, you know, being put in their correct placements and helping families to get the right people helping their children. I also was a lead teacher for a while in the fields, supervising other teachers that were out working with kids, but I missed the kids. So I missed the interaction, the daily interaction of, you know, seeing their faces and getting involved and, um, Hearing their voices. So I said, okay, it's time. It's time for me to go back into, into the field somehow. And I had remembered my roots in the Catholic Church and Catholic schools. And I said, you know what? I want to go back. So I put in all my applications and I put in applications for teaching and for administration because during my time at Theracare, I had also, you know, pursued an administration degree um, for education as well, because I knew I might be interested in heading in that direction at some point. And I got hired as a pre-K four teacher in, uh, in Yonkers back still in Yonkers. And I was able to spend a whole about six months with those beautiful children. And then I got a phone call saying, you know, we know you have an administrative background and we really need you up in Irvington. We have an interim principal position. The principal had to go out on leave and we really want you up there. So I came in, interviewed and eight years later, here I am in the same seat. So things have gone well. (laughs) And that's, that's my journey to this point.
1: I have the biggest smile on my face. I knew the moment I met you, there was a lot and there's even more than I thought. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm just, my, I have like kind of tears in my eyes. It's so wonderful to, um, to just hear how you, first of all, led yourself, you know, we talk about leadership and it starts with leading yourself. And, you know, I think about a, you know, only child, divorced parents, not, not the easiest thing, to navigate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering when you kind of go full circle and see yourself now in those very early days, uh, what reflection do you have about what you learned about, I don't know, keeping the faith or um, your own sense of self that maybe is really helping you light up the, the young people you're working with?
2: Yeah. So, you know what, it's interesting, Interesting too, because we see kids coming in the office, you know, and into the school that have these same circumstances. And it helps to be able to say, oh, yeah, I went through that. You know, well, my parents were divorced, too. Oh, yeah, I understand. And, you know, that's really hard. And to have, like, actual conversations about real life things. Um, Oh, yeah, I was bullied. Right. I understand. You know, I was the one that was called the nerd. You know, you may be called the one that you know, can't read, but I was the one that was called the nerd and that's no fun either. So, you know, I had teachers that were really strict, but I had some teachers that, you know, I'll never forget. So, you know, life is hard. And, um, you know, the goal here is really just to teach them the skills and the strategies that they need. But a big piece of that is, you know, self-confidence, self-esteem that, you know, nobody's going to tell you, you can't do that because you may have to do it differently, but you're going to do whatever you want to do. And we're going to help you get there. So, um, I think having life experiences that say, yeah, you're right. It's lousy. It really stinks, but I made it through. You're going to make it through too. I think faith life is definitely a big piece of it for me. Um, like I said, I think high school was a real big turning point. Like I, I joined my parish at 14 and I was kind of like all in. So there were tons of ministries and I was doing food pantry and I was delivering, um, you know, meals to AIDS patients at that time. And I was in the choir and I was doing the theater group and prayer group. And, you know, it was basically like my second family. So, you know, as much as I was the only child, I still had this second like support group of People that were some my age, most a little bit older, probably, but just um, kind of like that safety net and really a model of community that I think was really important um, growing up from like, you know, 14 to 24, 34, even um, staying really involved, becoming the leader of song in the parish eventually as I got older. And um, You know, I'm still. I'm not as involved anymore because you know life has taken over. Unfortunately, as as it does. But you know, I'm definitely still back at that parish as much as I can be, and it's a great reminder of where you need to be centered. And you know, ultimately, that we're about helping people. And um, our mission here at John Cardinal is choose kind. You know, that's our motto, and that's our statement. That's what we. That's, that's the most important thing that we teach here. So I think having that faith background and having that experience of you can walk into a safe place at church and feel welcome and no one's going to judge you and people are there to help you through whatever you're struggling with. That's the model that we keep here as well. You know, when you walk through our doors here, you are in a safe place. You can feel it. Whoever walks through the door can feel it the moment they enter the building it's, um, it's a warm and fuzzy vibe that I like to say, and it's very, you know, family oriented and, you know, we're a small school, but um, everyone knows each other is a big benefit to that being that we are able to have personal connections with kids and we are able to make sure that they are shaping their character right along with their academics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to come back to the school, but I want to dive in early on. Topic of bullying.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: you know, so you, you, you were stronger for that. You know, you see folks for whom perhaps it has more lasting negative impact Mm -hmm. thoughts on how you didn't let it kind of take you over, right. Create negative self-talk for your whole life. So just thoughts Mm -hmm. on that. And then for parents, how might they identify if their kids are getting bullied? What, you know, just any thoughts on that? I know it's a, not an easy topic.
2: Sure. I mean, I think for me, it was more about, um, you know, my parents definitely saying, you know what, that's not a big, it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. You know, that's just because they're jealous and framing it in a way for me where, you know, like I didn't take it with me for the rest of my life. Do I still remember it? Of course. Do I still, um, remember how it made me feel? Yeah. Yeah. But I think proving to myself that I was better than that in different areas really made a difference. So, you know, I don't care if you're going to make fun of me at school because I'm smart. I'm going to go out and I'm going to be in charge of, you know, 50 adults. And I don't really care what you're saying about me. So kind of channeling that in a different direction. um, You know, I can use these skills that you think are not good to, to be positive. Uh, I think it's important for parents to listen and observe. Um, I think any kind of a change in behavior is always a red flag. I think if there's any way to just kind of have the open communication, I think that's key for understanding a bullying situation. I think right now the world is in such a place with social media that it's so prevalent because it's so easy for people and for kids to have access to each other 24-7. You know, it used to be if you were at school, then yes, there could be a chance that somebody might say something to you. Um, but once you got home, that was it. But now no more. Now it's, you know, it, it can be rampant if, it, if you're not careful. Um, so I mean, monitoring social media, I, I know it's difficult. I have a 17-year-old son of my own. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, I get it. We have a really open um very chatty type relationship. So, you know, he's not hiding anything from me but um mm-hmm. that I know of, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, but right. you know, I will flip through his phone and I will ask him things if I see things that I I catch as, you know, things that could have been upsetting to him or things that I think are kind of, you know, a little over the top and it's okay it's okay to question them because you could be saving them. You know, you can't be afraid of it. You have to, you know, you're the parent. And I think that's the most important piece you want to be. You want to be kind and open and honest, but you want to be the parent um, because it's our job to keep them safe from, from those situations.
1: Yeah. Those are great thoughts. Those are great thoughts. Thanks. Um, The early leadership, Okay, I I mean, this happens for people when they're in career, but to be 14, (laughs) managing a theater, you move this, you move that. I could just I could kind of just see it. And you seem so zen and natural with it. But talk to us about how you influenced up, you know, I hear about this managing up and, you know, just kind of created such. You know, you have a presence about you. So I'm really keen to hear more about that.
2: So, I mean, you know, in those younger years, it was you know what, you go back to teachers and influence, right? So when I was in high school, I had, um, my English teacher was also the drama teacher and she was new to good counsel and I was new to good counsel. And, um, she always tells this story because I still keep in touch with her. And that, that tells you something right there. Um, that when I walked in freshman year after, you know, the first English class, I said, Oh, I hear that you are you know, the, the moderator of drama, I'm a stage manager. <laughs> so, you know, at 14, I was already, you know, giving myself that name. Like I, you know, I'd proven myself to me that I knew how to do this. And this was, this was what I was going to do at the counseling in the drama club. I was going to be the stage manager. So she kind of looked at me like I had 10 heads because not many freshmen are going to come up to you. Number one, even knowing what a stage manager is, and certainly not as a freshman saying, well, you know, this is what I do when I already know how to do it. Um, so right from that moment, you know, we, we had this bond and, you know, I felt completely, you know, supported and appreciated for all those years throughout high school in the drama club. And of course, you know, went in to become, you know, officers and presidents and, you know, that's, that's where I made my, my main group of friends in high school as well, but it ties back to the people that you're working with seeing that there's something about you, recognizing it, praising it, and giving you the confidence to kind of run with it. You know, she could have had a very different reaction and that could have squashed me, but she was like, okay, great. You know, first meeting is here, be there and then we'll talk. And, you know, there was never a question. So the same way in the community theater circuit, you know, they they gave me the chance to try it, prove it. I started as an assistant stage manager and, you know, people saw promise young or not. And, you know, they, they asked, you know, do you think you can handle the next one? Do you want to, do you want to take it on yourself? And I was like, sure. So, you know, it's, it's somewhat self-motivating, but it's also about people recognizing the skills in you. And that's, that ties back to being, you know, right in education and right in a leadership position where you can recognize the skills in people and give them the confidence to grow.
1: Uh, I want every young person to feel the safety and the confidence and that you can do it. Um, So let's segue to the school. Tell us, you know, I um, have had a few folks, I, I told you, on the show, a young person who went through dyslexia that they didn't really know, and she, you know, she shared some of the troubles, but just help some of us, maybe a little bit of a, a primer for the, the range of special education and what you see going on for the youths um, and, and their struggles just to help us uh, learn.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, you know, in every class, public, private, Catholic, special ed, there's gonna be learners who learn differently. Like, you know, it's not so much about the label. I think, you know, for all kids, it's about figuring out the best way for you to learn um, and really good teaching. I think solid teaching is really the backbone of special ed. It's not so much about, um, you know, that what we do is completely miraculous. It's just that we have really good, solid methods of teaching that are able to reach kids in a different way. And that's what makes it special. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a big range of kids with special needs. So uh, special learning needs, I really should say from, you know, some speech and language, difficulty understanding spoken language or difficulty understanding, um, you know, written language or having trouble using language pragmatically in social situations all the way up until, you know, having a a legitimate intellectual need. And, you know, it depends on where the potential really lies. And I think, you know, the goal of special education across the board is to help every child reach their maximum potential. And not everybody's going to be the same kind of learner. Not everybody is going to have the ability to reach the same level. You know, we're not all going to Yale and that's okay. Um, but we just need to figure out what's best for you and what's the best path for these learners and how do we get them there so um here at our school we focus mainly on um, learning needs speech and language attention deficit um kids with anxiety we're really here for the kids that kind of fall between the cracks so they're not kids that have you know necessarily the need for a small self-contained special ed classroom in a public school. Um, we're kind of here for the kids who need a smaller setting and a little bit more of, you know, discrete, explicit instruction, but, um, but they also couldn't survive in like a regular class of 30 in a regular public school or even in a regular Catholic school. So, you know, I think to demystify special education is still something that is being worked on. I think, We've come a long way. I think it's much less of a stigma to now, you know, have a kid with special needs or learning needs or have to, you know, go to occupational therapy or physical therapy or speech therapy or counseling even. I think it's, it's coming around to realize, you know, these are not a big deal. Like, this is a good thing. And if it's going to help children be more successful and some adults, <laughs> for us to also realize that, you know, it's, it's okay for us to need some intervention sometimes too. And it, and it's okay. Um, you know, that we're, that we're bettering ourselves and we're helping our children be better. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's a piece of special ed that hopefully is becoming just more accepted.
1: Yes. You know, the, the word compassion came to mind as you were speaking, because you ooze it and this ability to, to just, you know, understand someone's, could be in a tough place, to not judge it, to let it be, to have compassion for yourself in seeing tough situations. Was that a natural, is there, do you have a moment of when that you're just,
2: it's just so you. (laughs) Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I think,
0: I think I was always presented with people in my life that had that
2: vibe. I'm trying to think if there was any specific moment. I think, I think church really put that on my radar. I think, you know, being compassionate and empathetic and seeing other people so active in their faith and doing for others, I think that was key. And really around those formative years of like early teen, late teen, where faith is not necessarily so present in children's lives in those years, because there's so much else going on with, you know, high school and middle school and friends. And, you know, that's the way of the world, understandably for some. But for me, that was really a focus. So I'm sure there's something to that. I'm sure there's some kind of you know, God inspired, (laughs) uh, you know, empathy and understanding. And I think it just makes you have more of a connection. You know, there's really, there's no reason to judge somebody else because you have no idea (laughs) what has happened before that person walked through the door this morning. You know, we, we all, we just don't know what happened to the person coming down the street and we don't know that, um, you know, if somebody's in a bad mood, doesn't mean it's because of you necessarily, but, you know, give them space, let it go and see what happens later. You know, try to reach out. It's hard. It's. I think it's easier to choose kind from the beginning than try to have to backpedal and say, you know, I really shouldn't have said that. I don't know what you were going through this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I think it's just once you try it, it feels better. And it's easier to just kind of continue on with your day like that. Yeah,
1: that's the greatest advice ever. You have no idea what's gone on for that person this morning. <laughs> Choose yes. kind. It's yes. just, no, it's just the best. And, you know, I I'm, I'm have a kind of smile smirk at myself because as a young person, of course, I was never wrong. And it's, it's, you know, you just kind of have to cringe, you know, it's one of those like, oh, my God, how could you be so not considering that the world is not according to you, Molly, you know, it's just really, I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of laughing at myself, you know, better late than never. Kristen, I can imagine what, you know, when you see the child and there's the whole set of needs, but you also see a parent who's having trouble with it because of what they may be projecting and what it means for them. You know, I'm not a bad parent or I'm a bad parent. I, I caused this or what have you thoughts on, or just experiences and how you've really helped the parents to get out of their own way. You know, everyone, you know, loves their children, but sometimes we always don't, we don't do things that are necessarily the best for them.
2: Right. And you know what, we don't always know that. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, where we start when we're talking with new families and trust me, there's been many, many times where parents will come and they're completely at a loss, you know, devastated at this point that they can't find the right place and they don't know what to do. And they're just trying to do their best, of course. Um, But they do, they feel that they, you know, waited too long or they just didn't realize and how could I not have helped my child before this? And, you know, is it too late? And, you know, we'll always start the conversation by saying, you know, if we can't all, we can't be Monday morning quarterback, you know, if, if we all knew what was what the plan was and what was going to (laughs) happen, we'd be great from the very beginning, but that's not the way life goes. You know, the, the best part, the best news is that you're here now and we're going to help you figure this out. And, you know, it's, it's never too late. So we start when we know that we need to start and, you know, that's, you need to just accept kids where they are and make it work from there and accept families where they are. You know, some kids will, some families will come in With that mindset of "I'm here now, please help me do whatever I can to help my child," and some are not quite there yet either. You know, learning that your child has special needs is is a hard process. Um, It's not always something that you're willing to accept right away or hear right away either. And you know, we understand that too. Um, But ultimately, the goal is to make families feel comfortable and nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, generally, we will hear, I'm so happy that I finally found this school because they've been searching and searching. And I feel like you understand. I feel like I'm going to be accepted. I feel like my child is going to be accepted. Um, you know, this is just what they needed. I'm so, you know, I'm so sorry, we didn't find you sooner, but I think it's just, um, It needs to be a place of acceptance and a place of, like, no judgment and stress-free. So, okay, you're here now. (laughs) Take a minute. It's going to be fine. You know, we will slow and steady get this going. But the most, you know, the most important thing is for you to know that you're here now and and you're safe and you have a good place and your child is going to be safe and your child is going to be get their confidence back and your child is going to be accepted and your child is going to be treated nicely. And then we'll worry about the academics, <laughs> you know, all those, those first foundational pieces need to come first before we even worry about, you know, where they are academically that yeah. that's second.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how do people find you? I, I am, this gets into a bit of the business of school, you know, and, you know, I've talked to many people and, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for improvement, but just share, like, how do people find you? And then, you know, how does it work? You know, how are you funded? And
2: Right. So <laughs> one of the questions we're asking ourselves very recently also is, you know, how can we help more people find us? Because we do have room for more kids and, um, you know, enrollment is not as high as it could be, um. So, you know, we've been talking to parents and we've been doing focus groups and we've been doing, you know, marketing research. Um, And, you know, that's a a question that we're asking ourselves as well. But the feedback that we've gotten so far is word of mouth. So, um, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on all of these school platforms. But for some reason, we're like this diamond in the rough and... Um, You know, once people find us, it's a jewel and everybody has amazing things to say, thank God. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's just about finding us in the first place. So really word of mouth um, is is what we're coming to so far. But, you know, we have a very new functioning website um, that, you know, we pay attention to. You can apply right there. We are always here for phone calls. We are always here for email. Um, basically anyone who finds us and needs to get in touch with us, you'll have, you know, pretty much an immediate response. (laughs) So once you find the door, then it's very easy, um, you know, to become part of the family here. So we are a Catholic school. We are um, funded by tuition because it is private pay for parents. Um, Our tuition is more expensive than the other Catholic schools because it's a smaller program. Um, So more teachers and less kids, but We're also supported by the archdiocese and we're also supported by, um, you know, some major fundraising efforts that go directly into special ed programs of the archdiocese. So um, there is financial aid available. We do have funding that comes in to help us with our operating budget because, you know, without the the funding of generous donors, you know, we wouldn't be able to open our doors because um, it's, it's expensive. run a a kid a school for kids with special needs because we do need more staff and um and smaller class size so basically you know if you find us we we will immediately you know bring you in the process is um that we always have a one-to-one conversation with families uh right now we're doing it over zoom still because of covid but just to tell you about our program and decide if, you know, if we can help the child. Um, We'll never take a child in that we don't feel that we can help. We'll absolutely help you find a place that would be more suitable. But if we feel like there's a way that we can help your child, then we bring them in for a virtual visit right now. Um, Hopefully we'll make our way back to classroom visits soon. And then once the visit is complete, we have another conversation to say, you know, whether or not we feel it was a good fit and from there, it's very simple. If it's a great fit, then you're in. We go through paperwork and then you get you started. Um, we do have rolling admissions. So we actually have a new student joining us in like two weeks, which is exciting. So it's always exciting great. to get somebody new. Um, and obviously we're, you know, we're taking enrollment now for next year for sure. Yeah. And what grades do you cover? So right now we're covering second grade up until eighth grade. Um you know, there's always, there's always a chance we may go a little bit younger. Um, but usually kids with special um, needs and language, like language-based learning needs, we don't necessarily see that develop until about second grade. So that's why we started second at the moment. Oh my God. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's amazing. It, it is God's work. It's the, it's just, yeah, I just, I know you have so many success stories, but maybe before we wrap one, if there, is one that comes to mind um, mm. that you'd like to share <laughs> i know I'm hard to pick i'm sorry
2: that's okay Yeah, i mean there are so many success stories um i'm going to give you a general success story is that uh you know 90 percent more almost all of our children leave here and go on to our uh special ed or special our regular ed catholic high schools still with support um in certain areas but you know That's, that's one big success story right there. And when I first started here, um, you know, seven or eight years ago, now there's kids that have come back and they're on their way to college. So they've made it all through the high school process and they are, you know, enrolled and ready to go. So it's amazing to see that, you know, these kids, yes, they have learning needs and yes, they know it. And that's the biggest success is that they know it, but now they know how to handle it because they were here. So they took all the skills and strategies that they learned while they were here, brought them with them to high school, got through high school, and now they're bringing them to college. You know, it's, you know, who's, going to be a veterinarian, who's going to be a doctor, who's going to be a teacher um, who wants to be a teacher and come back and teach here. (laughs) We hear all these great stories, but I think um, to be even a little bit more specific for some of our uh, younger students, it's amazing when we hear feedback from families even after like four to six months time that they can't believe the progress that they're seeing so quickly because it's finally the right kind of instruction for their child and you know kids that were non-readers are now going home and they're able to read and they're they're wanting to read so you know I think that's that's a big success story right there just you know re enlightening that desire to, to pick up a book and to read for enjoyment, even for some of them, um, you know, just to make it something that they know now they can do it. They have it in their toolbox. It's no big deal. And they're going to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I can. You know, what a relief for, for the parents, because you just want so desperately for your child, you know, to be able to learn and to to. to... Feel confident and be their best self. Um, so gosh, what so amazing. Um, okay, as we wrap, you're helping all these people grow. So I'm kind of curious, Kristen, an area of growth of growth that you have for yourself.
2: Hmm. So I would say that I had um, you know, I started that administration degree and I am so so close to finishing it. So that's definitely one piece where I yeah. want to get that done and make the time. Um, an area of growth for myself. And that's a hard one. <laughs> you know, I think I think self-care and not enough people take time to do it or to think about it. And, you know, even just looking into, you know, the eyes of my fellow principals and administrators, when we all get on a Zoom call together, we all like, look like. You know, we've all been hit by the the school bus. (laughs) Oh, oh no. Because, you know, it's hard work. And, you know, everyone that I work with is passionate about what we do. And I think we often forget to take care of ourselves in the meantime, because you're no good if you're not good to yourself. Um, So I think an area of growth is definitely to be mindful of that and to make sure that, you know, you're taking care of yourself to be your best self so that you can, you know, be good and ready for others. For the kids, they need you to be on your game, yeah, and that's, that's and, uh, and and taking care of yourself. So I think yeah. that's that's a good area to consider.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that, especially in these times. So thanks for calling that out. What do you wish for your son?
2: Hmm. I wish that he wants to go to work every day like I do. Oh. I think that's so important to be able to love what you do and to not feel like work is a chore. Yeah, Because, because I don't, it. I mean, aside from waking up and then, you know, getting out of bed, which we all find a chore, it, it's never about, oh, I have to go to work today. That's not what I don't, you know, I really don't want to do that. It's never that because I love being here. And um, I hope that for him that, you know, he's pretty set in his career choices. And I just hope that he finds it fulfilling and he, you know, enjoys it and wants to continue to do it. Yeah. That's
1: a beautiful, beautiful wish. You have been very generous in all that you've shared. And so kind of from the outside looking in, Kristen, I'm wondering what it was like for you to share your journey today.
2: Uh, I think I was nervous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know I was nervous. I should say, (laughs) which is, um, something that I guess I try to keep under wraps a lot of the time because I do have that personality that comes across as, you know, confident and able to conquer the world, but it's um you know, it's not always easy to share um about yourself. I'm not used to talking about myself. <laughs> you know, I can talk, you know, whenever I need to, but not usually about me. So, um it's nice. It's nice to be able to sit down and reflect for a little bit and uh you know, have your support along the way. Well, I, uh,
1: I, I knew I was pushing you a little bit on it because you are also so about others. And I, I, for all the listeners out there, I want folks to know, look at, it's really important that you can share your own journey as a way for others to learn and as a way for others to inspire and you're serving. So I just, you know, I know that that's big for you in serving others. And I just know that you're, you're sharing today. Kristen was early. really, great service to all the folks who have a chance to listen. So, um, you know, you are really, really a champion for children with special needs. I mean, that is so clear and your commitment, your passion and the impact you have are so inspiring. So I just want to thank you for your leadership, uh, for the role modeling for all of us, how we can all help others feel safe, seen and heard to love, to learn, and to make a lifetime of it, um, Kristen, you're a big part of the solution. So I'm here for you. If there's any tiny way I might be helpful, uh, I'm here and I'm, I'm cheering for you and I bless and um, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Oh, folks, just amazing. Okay, my thought for the week, of course, we're closing with the great role model from the John Carnell O'Connor School, Recognize praise, and give confidence to others to run with their aspirations. And please, please, please choose kind and let's make the world a safe place. It's warm and fuzzy for all. Uh, And that's a wrap, folks. I thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Kristen's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said. So, that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life.
3: Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The US spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent. By identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent, their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter.